0: Okay, so one day, this lady hears a knock on the door. She opens it. It's Avon calling. You know how it is. And this larger woman, she's kind of husky. She does a really bad, like, sales pitch. Like, doesn't really work at all. Avon
1: is makeup, right? Yeah, Avon is makeup,
0: yeah. And so the really bad sales pitch doesn't go over very well. Okay. The lady doesn't end up buying any product. But the Avon woman asks if she can go use the bathroom and the woman being nice woman that she is lets her into her house and she goes to the bathroom A little while later, the Avon woman calls out from the bathroom that there's no toilet paper. But this woman knows that she put toilet paper in her house. And so she's kind of weirded out about it. So she calls the police. The police come and they open the bathroom door. And it's just this weird, old, burly, naked man hanging out in the bathroom. How did he get there? Yeah, he was the Avon lady. Supposedly.
1: Okay, so I heard
0: so we're on the bus. with My dad to go yeah. to Dallas mm-hmm. for one time when I was little. Uh, my dad eight, ran a, when, when I was, was little, a my dad
1: church, a man before, came out the and of the restaurant. Yeah, it's just a story. Hello, and welcome to the Just a Story podcast. I'm Jake,
0: and I'm Sam, and we're here to tell you a story. Every week, we take a look at the stories that we tell over and over again. What our myths and misdeeds, facts and fables say about us as humans. And we just want to thank everyone who has been listening to the show. We've had lots of new listeners. We're happy to have you all. We love you very much. And those of you who have rated and reviewed us on iTunes, we love you just a little bit more. But don't tell the other guys. I actually do. And you guys go review and we'll love you just as much.
1: So today, we are talking about the
0: avon flasher
1: avon flasher
0: i know it's a weird one i was kind of like when i found this i was like this is this doesn't exist this is not a thing but apparently in the 80s at least it was kind of a thing it was circulated along with another story in which a woman picks up a hitchhiker posing as a little lady that turns out to be a big burly man and sort of has similar themes but this one i thought was interesting because of the domestic sphere and the incorporation of avon
1: and I think that's interesting, because everyone knows Avon, Avon Calling, the Avon Ladies.
0: And the counterpart, Mary Kay, with their pink Cadillacs, those hussies.
1: Ah, but I want a pink Cadillac. How do
0: you two? So does Elvis. And Carl Perkins. You can't go wrong with a pink Cadillac.
1: It's true. And so, Avon is an old company. It was founded in the kind of turn of the 20th century by David McConnell. He was a door-to-door salesman. He sold books. And books? Books? Yeah, I know. How's this get to make up? So he decided that he was going to start giving away perfume to all of these ladies that he was meeting that were stuck in the home all day as a thank you for their time. Oh,
0: I was like, just because they were stuck in the home and they were stinky. No, okay, I got it. You know, if he was a really classy traveling salesman, he would give him silk stockings.
1: Yes, but of course, that'd be Arthur Miller's story. All right, there's another great Raymond Carver story about a traveling salesman that gives some nice things to ladies. Really? I think there's a few uh, Cinemax late night really? shows. And there's also to... one about
0: a pizza livery guy named Phil. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so he decided to start giving us perfume. He noticed that people liked the perfume more than they liked the books.
0: Okay, we don't want that for our, our listeners. So if you have not read Arthur Miller's Death of a Salesman, you should go do that. Like now. Like right now. Unless you want to like perfume more. And really, who does?
1: We did see that on Broadway. With Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Andrew Garfield. There was a lot of yelling.
0: There was a lot of yelling and crying and like fake American accents, which just boggle
1: the mind. So David McConnell decided that he was going to start selling perfume instead, and he had the bright idea of hiring a woman as a salesman or saleswoman. This was 50-year-old woman, Persis Foster Eames Elby, and she pioneered gathering women and training them in door-to-door sales and having them going around to the other women that were at home and selling them beauty products.
0: That is actually very fascinating. And I'm looking here and it seems that maybe McConnell and Foster Eames Albee, I don't know where her first name and last name starts and ends, but Those two were on to something because they had 10,000 agents by 1903.
1: Right. And it became a great source for women to make money, have their own kind of little business. And that was still kind of in the domestic sphere. And it was a very flexible career that they could have. And now it's a major company and it's run by women.
0: That's fabulous. I do think it's interesting that Avon is a part of this story because if you look at the timing that this legend circulated, the only note I could find about it was like in the 80s. And so there was a decline in the company in the 70s and 80s. And there was also a big backlash against feminism. The bra burners of the 60s needed to be reined in a little. So there's a really interesting tension being created between this thing that had kind of served as a liberator for women and male entrance into the domestic sphere and the domestic woman at home. And you get this really interesting little soup of what is it good for a woman to do who can be trusted
1: right the convergence of the changes in societal roles of women going into the workforce and like you were saying the uh, changes in the company and changes in just our society in general
0: so let's let's take a moment to kind of think about the legend here you have this good housewife
1: right she even knows exactly when she's put toilet paper in
0: and is willing to call the cops, she's
1: so sure. By the way, you really, really need to take the toilet paper roll off and put another roll on.
0: But I did that this morning. Is there a naked man in our bathroom? We should call the
1: cops. We should. It's just our friend David.
0: (laughs) It's just our friend David. Creepy Uncle Dave's in town. Yay! So... She's being a good woman. She's being at home. And this other woman, this working woman, comes to her door and tries to sell her products. She's not to be trusted. She's suspicious. She's actually a man in disguise. So there's something interesting about men being emasculated by the women in the workforce, this guy cross-dressing... And this woman putting herself at risk by even entertaining the possibility that a woman working could be good.
1: Right, and there's the interesting point that's in a lot of urban legends and stories warning young women, young, impressionable.
0: So this is just another version of the guard thy chastity legend. Like, guard your virtue, be on the lookout.
1: Well, I think even more than that, it's that the weaker sex thing. Mm -hmm. it's the not just guard your virtue guard your safety anyone can come and attack you at any time
0: if you look at a lot of writing for women about violence preceding maybe the last 50 years and even since then obviously the language equates guarding your chastity, purity, and virtue to guarding your safety.
1: I can see how they can go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with that mindset.
0: There are sexual overtones to this legend even though we don't have any indication of any attack at all being committed.
1: Right, nothing is actually done in the story.
0: Right, he's just lurking. Naked. But what
1: else would a naked man be doing in a house
0: i mean there's no way he was just dressing up as a lady for his own purposes and you know had a stomach bug and actually used a whole roll of toilet paper and stained his dress right that's impossible
1: right that's the uh, kind of funny version of it that I mean, doesn't exist but it could but kind of back up i mean it's an important point that it's this stranger coming into a home and has plans to attack murder rape kill
0: pillage plunder Barbarize
1: Something Barbarize? She's gonna cut her hair
0: Brendan confessed to doing To Teresa Halbach
1: Yeah Is that what's gonna happen?
0: Well he is an Avon lady He might do a lovely job Okay So this gets into Whole different territory There's a A really pervasive Myth In our society And it's not this specific But the The threat that women face Is The nameless Faceless attacker Who will knock you on the head And drag you into an alleyway that's what legitimate rape is in many people's eyes. Legitimate attack. Legitimate violence. Like, all I can think about is that stupid guy saying, like, oh, women's bodies have a way to shut that whole thing down in the cases of legitimate rape. This is what he means.
1: As a medical professional, I can tell you with 100% certainty that that is bullshit.
0: Oh, good. Just I've been
1: in, wondering. In case you weren't sure.
0: <laughs> I've been wondering. But, like, yes. So that is the classic mythologized heavily perpetuated boogeyman version of violence against women in this country.
1: So, so I'm gathering that this is not what's happening. Eh.
0: Occasionally. Sure. Unfortunately, but it doesn't seem that statistics really support that having the kind of staying power and iconography that it does in our culture. In fact, 75% of, of lone offender violence against women is committed by someone who knows the victim.
1: So it's someone in that person's life.
0: Yes, in their immediate circles or an acquaintance. And then 25% of all violence against women is committed by an intimate partner. And women who are victims of intimate partner abuse or violence are injured more often than those who are assaulted by a stranger.
1: So it's not the boogeyman lurking in the dark alleyway that most women should be worried about.
0: No. Not most. I mean, sure, it happens. It does. I don't want to discount it. But to think that that is what we need to be walking around being afraid of is just hyperbole. And to think that other versions of violence against women don't count is despicable.
1: So with all of this research, this is a kind of almost a side note. Interesting, terrible story that we're not, not trying to argue against our point. But there was a... Situation, a case that occurred just last year on June 22nd, 2015, in Gwinnett County near Atlanta. A real estate agent uh, went to show a house to somebody mm-hmm. and noticed a large woman get out of a truck. She let the woman go into the house and see the house. And whenever this large, burly woman came out, no. he attacked her. He, no. He attacked her. No! It was a man. No! A 39-year-old man dressed in women's clothing with a wig.
0: Oh, well, hmm. attention to detail's nice.
1: That tried to assault her, and she was able to fight him off.
0: Good for her. And she, she
1: survived without any kind of physical, although I'm sure plenty of psychological. Well, I, she
0: was actually hospitalized for minor injuries.
1: Right. So this is one of those cases where you did have someone dressed in women's clothing that Did attack a woman
0: oh there's even a sales pitch the roles are reversed interestingly one's a client one's a salesman sales lady saleswoman yeah there's a a ruse involving the transaction in the public sphere that verges on the domestic sphere because it's a home and it's an attacker posing as a woman presumably just to get access to this woman to hurt her
1: Right, so a similar story to our urban legend has occurred. I and mean, this is not the root of the story at all, because it just happened six, seven months ago. But it's just an interesting kind of...
0: Yeah, when, when we found this, I was like, no. No. No! It's happened. <laughs> I cannot believe it's happened.
1: With this case, we do not know why he was dressed as a woman. A lot of blogs will go on and try to call him a cross-dresser or a transgender person. Or something along those lines, but we actually do not know why he did this. Or if it was just a disguise, if he was in Traveste.
0: Oh, that's interesting that you say that word. In looking into the history of cross-dressing, which is not the same thing as trans, there are some really fun historical factoids that I would like to share with you. Intraviste is a term used in opera to talk about the roles that were intended for men that were sometimes played by women. The Italian word travesti means disguise. So playing in disguise. Now, these roles originated for boys who were castrati.
1: For those who don't know who castrati is.
0: They were neutered?
1: Castrated.
0: Well, yeah, that's a better word.
1: (laughs) They were castrated at a young age. In order
0: to preserve their high vocal range.
1: Yeah, so if you were choir boy at that time and the priest really liked your singing voice, you may have some real issues.
0: More than today? Mm, No. Not Uh, fair to say.
1: Depends on how you look at it.
0: That's an interesting instance of cross-dressing. And I mean, everybody will tell you it's everyone's favorite historical fact that they have all of one of. In drama. For as long as there has been drama. Men used to play women's roles, they will say. In a revelatory tone. But it's true. That's gone on for, you know, since Greeks, but one of my personal favorite historical instances of cross-dressing involves Pope Joan. Pope Joan is, depending on who you ask, a fictional female Pope?
1: A female Pope?
0: Of the Catholic Church? No. Yes. The Pope was Catholic, also a woman. And the dates surrounding her reign? The Pope's reign? Sure. She was supposedly Pope sometime between 1250 and 1300 AD. And she was outed as a woman. What can only women do, Jacob?
1: Well, cook.
0: <laughs> nah.
1: That's a lie. I'm the one that cooks.
0: It's, that's actually true. Clean. Yeah, we're still waiting to see who's going to do that job.
1: <gasps> no one in our house cleans. Let's see. Uh, have a baby.
0: hmm. And in fact, Pope Joan gave birth during a religious procession and revealed her sex and legend has it that for years when the pope was walking that route any pope they would avoid the spot they would circle around it was there a stain i guess so it was it was where the pope gave birth i mean i would think that would be pretty impressive she was a radical figure and as legend grew around her the scandal of that imaginary or embellished figure just grew and grew like supposedly she took up dressing as a man so that she could follow her lover into the priesthood. That's gotta be a sin, right? <laughs> you know, I'm not sure, but
1: if this even happened, of course,
0: right. You know, there's a lot of debate around that and it was taken as fact until about 1600. It had a good run.
1: It makes me think of Joan of Arc,
0: which is another famous Catholic crossdresser. She was, uh, the pa- she is in fact, the patron saint of France. She heard voices telling her to lead the armies of France and she, She did.
1: They weren't demons, though.
0: No, they actually think it was related to ricin.
1: Oh, ricin poison? Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that. There's a big statue in France. There's also a copy statue, uh, because she's the Lady of Orleans in New Orleans. Speaking of New Orleans, there's plenty of cross-dressing in New Orleans. There's, of course, the red Dress run that I can think of, which is when every single person I know... Dresses in a red dress, goes and gets drunk and plays in the quarter.
0: And runs down Bourbon Street, and it's an annual tradition, and you should all go have a hurricane for me and tell them I sent you.
1: I do think of in New Orleans and Mardi Gras and several other times when it's perfectly normal for men to dress as Pretty much anything, but as women,
0: right? And in rural Mardi Gras, which you're gonna to have to say that word for me,
1: the croye de Mardi Gras,
0: Correa de Mardi Gras. See, I just said it with a weird. It's like a
1: Spanish accent.
0: I'm sorry. In the rural traditions, men and women switch gender roles during parts of the festival. And men will dress as women and they make fools of themselves like they normally put, like, big rubber breasts and, like, will flash people and that's funny. And women also dress as men and behave as men. There's actually a lot of really interesting research, kind of a cross-section of gender studies and folklore that I happen to... All into while I was at Louisiana State University and if you would like to read about women in the courier you should really do that there's some excellent work on that
1: excellent photography
0: yes oh those masks the screen masks they're so beautiful another instance of historical cross-dressing was kabuki theater where men would play women but interestingly it was common knowledge it was not like an under the table thing at one point in history that they were offered as prostitutes for either men or women after the show. And the show almost featured as advertising. And then in Naples, there's this really interesting class called the Feminieri in Naples, Neapolitan social class that were very privileged. And they would actually take part in a mock wedding that would take place on Easter Monday. So sort of related to the christian calendar they'd parade down the street wearing wedding gowns accompanied by a husband and they'd go through the streets in horse-drawn carriages they were very well to do they do specifically state that they identify as male everyone knows they're male they don't hide it but they're given a lot of social clout in that particular society they still exist in, in some fashion today but it's a long history
1: that's an interesting point because i think it's important to point out that the modern day definition of cross-dressing is that it is someone that usually identifies as a man that is wearing woman's clothing.
0: I believe it can be women wearing men's clothing as well, can't it?
1: Well, interestingly enough, the true medical definition just changed to include that.
0: That is very interesting.
1: And this is, again, controversial definition. That cross-dressing fits in with paraphilic disorders. Ooh. So, a paraphilia... Do you know what a paraphilia is?
0: I'd like you to tell me what a paraphilia is. So,
1: a paraphilia is when something... The true definition is that it could literally be anything... Causes some sort of sexual arousal in the person interacting with it.
0: Okay, so fetish is like what you always hear like oh i have a whatever fetish like i have a shoe fetish i have a blah is it just a fetish is a paraphilia the same thing as a
1: fetish so there is a difference so with a paraphilia that person must feel some kind of personal distress about the interest so it's not just that mom doesn't think it's okay like mom has a really hard time dealing with your balloon fetish
0: Okay, those people are called lunars, by the way.
1: Google it. It has to be that person has a personal problem with it. As my psychological disorders, it has to cause some kind of harm. So An interesting point that I wanted to mention is that there are the different categories in the DSM-5 of different types of paraphilias. So let's see if you can guess what they are.
0: Okay, I'm going to pretend that this is a call sheet for SVU. Okay. Okay, so you got your exhibitionist.
1: Oh yeah. I remember seeing that episode.
0: Right. So what's an exhibitionist? Tell me what an exhibitionist is. So
1: I mean I think you would better guess that one there. Yeah. Wanna do things in public.
0: You got your got your your fetish guy. Right. You know, like, and that
1: includes like we're saying like lunar's
0: Yeah, lunar's babies, adult babies, things like that. Like win. David Vitter. Like David Vitter.
1: Oh, you have David your I was oh, a good froderistic.
0: That's genital rubbing. I know that one.
1: Why do you know that one?
0: Because I watch too much SVU and read too much true crime. I don't want to talk about how I know that one, okay?
1: You're pedophiles.
0: Okay, those are adults who are attracted specifically to children under 12?
1: It's kind of like a prepubescent. pre-pubescent.
0: It's not an age. It's a it's a look, yeah, right?
1: right. right. It's a, well, it's a stage of development. Okay. Um, your sexual masochist and your sexual sadist, those are two separate diagnoses.
0: Okay, first of all, I thought I was supposed to be guessing here, because I would have gotten all of these right. Oh,
1: sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Okay, so you've got your sadist, and they like to have pain inflicted.
1: Okay, right, definitely.
0: And you've got your masochist, and they like to inflict pain, and it's a, it's humiliation and embarrassment as well, I believe. So the voyeurs, you know your peeping times, your shady guys heading out in alleys just trying to catch a glimpse, Your you know, Monsters of Florence, et cetera, et cetera.
1: And last but not least,
0: transvestic.
1: What a great term.
0: Let's talk more about that term, doc.
1: So with your transvestic, that is where cross-dressing is included. And once again, a super controversial term.
0: Right. like People don't even like the t- that the term transvestic or transvestite or tranny is used in modern vernacular, let alone medical terminology.
1: Like we said earlier, in the DSM-IV, which is the older edition, it was pretty much pointed at heterosexual men dressing in women's clothing, but that's changed. In the dsm 5 they did update to kind of include anybody.
0: Okay, so in the DSM-IV, was there a special category for executive transvestites, as Eddie Izard calls himself?
1: Not that I know of
0: will be highly disappointed
1: to learn of this news. I'm sure there are papers written about him.
0: I'm sure there are too. When you start looking at gender presentation and sex, or sex doesn't line up with gender, people are automatically going to be like, you're sending out trans
1: hate speech, right? Right. It's very important to point out that cross-dressing is a very, very separate thing than someone being transgender.
0: Gender identity only comes into play with a cross-dresser in order to subvert expectation and enjoy the thrill of turning that around, right?
1: In a way. And there is a separate, you know, DSM diagnosis that's also super controversial for people that are transgender called gender dysphoria.
0: Now, see, I've heard gender identity disorder.
1: It was recently changed to gender dysphoria.
0: And why? Do you know
1: why? I don't have a specific reason. I think they were trying to be a little more PC.
0: In what I've read, it says that gender identity disorder implies that the person experiencing the syndrome or state is disorder implies that they are not mentally fit or that they have some sort of mental health issue where I think it's more reasonable to say that it's actually just innate
1: That there is a problem with your assigned gender.
0: Differing from your... Sex. This brings us to an interesting figure, and a kind of controversial figure. We're going to talk about a lot of controversial figures today. Buckle up. Okay, so this person... I believe that he identified as male throughout his life, but lived the later half of his life presenting as a woman. He was married twice, he changed his name to Virginia, and he was Virginia prince. He coined the term transgenderism and he wanted to use the prefix trans to indicate someone that has gone beyond or overcome a barrier. So he believed that gender was a barrier and that people who were transgender found a way to circumvent or overcome that binary division between male and female.
1: What time period was 1960s. So it fits with the 60s. Yeah. I feel like I said that in every episode.
0: But he was sort of a pioneer of the cross-dressing hobby lifestyle. Well,
1: um, was he cross-dressing? Or he was, it... was
0: cross-dressing. From the age of 12, he was cross-dressing in his mother's garments at home. And as he got older, sometimes he would leave the house wearing his sister's clothes. I assume they were more fashionable than his mother's. I mean, that's why he would leave the house in those.
1: So in the very scientific definition, since he still identified as a male and did not want to identify as a female, he was a crossdresser and not someone with gender dysphoria? He did not have gender dysphoria. He was
0: quite happy to be male but believed that there was something transcendent about experiencing the socially prescribed role of a woman he associated it with lace and soft smells and virtue and like this very 1950's ideal of what it meant to be a pure good woman and he believed that By experiencing that, he was expressing his full personality, which is actually the name of a foundation that he created, which was a support group for heterosexual men who like to dress in women's clothing called uh, Foundation for Full Personality Expression. But my much preferred and like maybe favorite name ever is that of the magazine that he issued called Hose and
1: heels. I think I saw that movie.
0: Hose and heels. Like pantyhose, just to be clear. I saw that one too. Yeah, I know. That was um, the lesser quality of the two. (laughs) He started this support group for subscribers to the magazine, and interestingly, he prevented homosexual or transsexual men from joining the support group. He believed that this was normally sexed men who enjoyed dressing as women.
1: So interesting that someone that is definitely on the fringes of what one would consider normal, as a big quotation marks, sex and gender, would would go on and try to keep people out of his special group?
0: Well, he believed that was a different special group. It was really interesting. He took hormones and changed his name, dressed as a woman, presented himself as a woman, but I believe used his Earth pronouns, even though he changed his name until the time of his death. He never wanted to have surgery, and he believed that that meant that he despite his toying with the gender line he believed that he was still male he also was one of the first people to say that gender is a cultural construct and that it is not biological which is something that you'll see again and again in philosophy and rhetoric about the transgender experience and even the feminine experience
1: you're right there has been a lot of writing about transgender issues recently There's an interesting cross-section between violence against women and a lot of the recent transgender issues that have come about.
0: Yeah, unfortunately. To think that people are dressing as women and adopting the moniker of trans and going through that experience in order to gain access to women, as the Avon lady was, supposedly, is
1: insane to me.
0: There are a lot of cultural Mm -hmm. challenges that face someone who is living a life as a transgender person.
1: No, but you're right. There are a lot of cultural issues related to this. And people that are identified as transgender are four times more likely than the general population to report living in extreme poverty, you know, making less than $10,000 a year. So nearly 80% of transgender people report experiencing you know some kind of harassment at school when they were young and as adults being harassed or physically assaulted in lots of different places right now the focus is on what these terrible horrible people dressed as women's men dressed in women's clothing are going to do to the women in restrooms
0: i believe that fear is incredibly misplaced
1: recently there have been a lot of attempts to pass laws to protect people that Identify as transgender. And a lot of times, the kind of hate groups that are fighting against passing these call them the bathroom bills.
0: Oh, the bathroom bills. I just, I love to see people getting a wad about bathrooms.
1: The fear that all these people are putting out is that transgender women are going to come into women's restrooms just to... Just uh, to get close. It's just an
0: excuse to get close. Um, Or,
1: like, corner them
0: and violently assault them. Or be naked, which is the fear in this urban legend.
1: Our favorite group, Focus on the Family.
0: Mm-hmm. We say favorite in such sarcasm.
1: In 2008, Colorado did pass one of these non-discrimination laws, and Focus on the Family put an ad out depicting trans women as this disheveled guy in work boots lurking in a bathroom as a little girl exits one of the stalls. And big lines said, Colorado, just open the bathrooms to either sex! Exclamation point. And as as Elaine tells us, you should not use an exclamation point. It's
0: like laughing at your own jokes. I I do, as an editor, really dislike the exclamation point, period. So, as soon as we begin to see forward-thinking people trying to make sure that all citizens are comfortable and that they're not confronted with the authenticity of their gender affiliation purely on a fundamental level and they have access to facilities that make them comfortable, we have people coming out of the woodwork to point out the big, scary boogeyman. This may be another theme we see running through the show. Progressive ideas transformed into boogeymen.
1: And in our lovely city of Austin, Texas...
0: It is a lovely city, if I do say so, myself,
1: We have been protecting transgender people for years. Yes, 12 of them, in fact. And... Through extensive reporting through the Austin Police Department and several other groups that help women that have been uh, violently attacked. There have been, I'm going to let you guess, how many cases similar to what all of these groups like Focus on the Family are saying will happen? That these trans women are lurking in bathrooms. Guess how many cases? Um, Hold on, I'm doing math. Zero.
0: Zero. My answer is zero.
1: That took kind of long to get to that answer.
0: Look, Alex Trebek, you and your non-mustache Canadian self just sit over there.
1: You're right. Zero cases. There have been zero cases since we lovely Austinites in our Island of Blue and Sea of Red have been protecting transgender people's rights.
0: To go to the bathroom where they would like to go to the bathroom. This is a fundamental right. I feel like this is life, liberty, the pursuit (laughs) of happiness, and freedom to be in any toilet you so choose to pee in.
1: Well, there was a study by the Williams Institute confirming the opposite that transgender people face significant levels of discrimination and harassment when trying to use the restroom. The study did focus in Washington, D.C., and found an overwhelming majority, that 70%, experienced some sort of negative reaction when using a bathroom. And this could include being told they were in the wrong facility to leave, questioned about their gender, or ridiculed. Sometimes police were called. And 9% of respondents had actual physical assault occur to them, including being forcibly removed from the restroom, hit, kicked, intimidated, coerced, or slapped. And one person even said they were sexually assaulted.
0: So this is the ugliest kind of mythology. This is a myth that is untrue, but If you look just a little bit deeper, not only is it untrue, but it's reversing, therefore obscuring or hiding a very significant problem.
1: True. I think we should kind of wrap this up discussing one of our favorite social activists protecting the family.
0: Mm, A champion of the family, yes, indeed. Sweet, sweet Michelle Duggar. Michelle Duggar I've, I think she has like 22 kids I don't know, I, I
1: think it's 22 Did they update the title of the show? They
0: used, yeah, they did that regularly throughout its run on TLC, which is no longer running on TLC Do you remember why it's no longer running on TLC? Why is that? Because her oldest son was accused of sexually molesting her daughter's friends in addition to other things and, and the daughters actually in the family filed, don't forget. filed reports but then later claimed that they were false So after the shenanigans of The Oldest Son, the series was no longer going to air on TLC. Michelle Duggar volunteered or was asked to be part of a campaign within the last few years in Northwest Arkansas. And you may have been a recipient of these lovely phone calls. They come in from politicians and activists and other groups where they call and leave a message or voicemail on your phone that's pre-recorded. Michelle's message She said, hello, my name is Michelle Duggar. I'm calling to inform you of some shocking news that would affect the safety of Northwest Arkansas women and children.
1: So is this that 75% of violent acts committed against women are by people they know?
0: No, 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 it's that other stat, you know, zero. Despite the fact that she or her children experienced violence from a family member and chose to not only falsify reports and say it didn't happen later uh, and deny it vehemently. That is not in fact what Michelle Duggar was reaching out, but that was not her case. She was calling to warn people that the Fayetteville City Council is voting on an ordinance Tuesday night that would allow men, yes, I said men, to use women's and girls' restrooms, locker rooms, showers, sleeping areas, and other areas that were designated for females only.
1: Now... I've always heard that women's restrooms are a lot nicer than men's restrooms. Like, seriously. Like, there's a couch.
0: No, there's not a couch, but there's not pee on the floor.
1: Maybe I do want to use women's restrooms.
0: Maybe you should. Or you could just not pee on the floor. I don't pee on the (laughs) floor. (laughs) I'm speaking to all men now. Sorry to make generalizations about an entire sex. I don't believe the citizens of Fayetteville would want males with past child predator convictions to claim that they are female and have a legal right to enter the private areas that are reserved for women and girls.
1: There's literally no evidence to support this argument.
0: Well... It's not even an argument that requires evidence. It's if you examine it for more than 0.2 seconds, you'll realize that people who offend against children just as often offend against children of their own gender. Men who offend against children make victims of boys, too. Now, how are you going to set up restroom restrictions to protect that kid?
1: Well, and as we have pointed out, and same in this case, it's usually people they know.
0: There's, oh God, yeah, there's grooming behavior, there's everything. There's an entire pathology to pedophilia um, and people who habitually commit that act. The idea that by allowing men into women's spaces, you're going to make women and girls more vulnerable to violence is really uncomfortable for me it's also ludicrous to think that a man who wants to hurt a woman will not just go into the women's restroom dressed as a man when no one's looking are we going to post armed guards
1: outside of restrooms i mean definitely ties back to our story that we're discussing
0: i doubt that fayetteville parents would stand for a law that would endanger their daughters or allow them to be traumatized by a man joining them in their private space. The idea that anyone would ever allow their children to be violated is, first of all, ludicrous. That's not anyone's intention here.
1: And there's no data to back that up.
0: The idea that men in women's spaces is inherently violent is something that I have a major problem with. Like, it's something that I spend a lot of time thinking about that really troubles me.
1: Right, and again, ties back to our story. This man is taking on a woman's role and is entering, not only entering that woman's sphere, but is also taking a position that women are known to have.
0: Yes, And that's perceived as dangerous. The idea that men just can't help themselves and they are to be feared and it is a woman's job to be vigilant and protect herself against these people who just can't do any better sets such a low bar for our society. It's sick to believe that men are animals and women should have to be on guard and we have to help them be on guard by not putting extra men in their space. Is just
1: gross. But anyway. So how does Michelle Duggar tie this up?
0: We should never place the preference of an adult over the safety and innocence of a child. Parents, who do you want undressing next to your daughter at the public swimming pool's private changing area? The preference of an adult over the safety and innocence of a child.
1: Of course, again, not only trying to evoke woman's safety, but it's like, are you going to be this bad of a parent?
0: Right, it's preying on that, that guilt. Trans women are not men. They're not men with sexual appetites for young girls. They're not pedophiles. As a body of human beings, it's a completely separate group. Sure, sure. I'm sure if you look, there's one somewhere in history. Yes, that's what we do. We go back and we look for that one. We found a real estate agent who was assaulted by a man in a wig. I can't believe that.
1: Right, there's always going to be the outlier. There are the bad people. There are bad people out there. Sure, one.
0: But it's not a fear. It's not something we need to make people afraid of. It's a really bad story.
1: So it's just a story.
0: Yeah, it's a really bad story. And it's one we just keep on telling.